You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on in to a Thursday live edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and we pitched a damn perfect sports game on Wednesday. The results that you will never have a top to bottom NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, MLB regular season day more perfect and what we all experienced yesterday. Will it go sour soon? Absolutely. But for now, we are basking in the glow of the Yankees starting the day with a two-game sweep of the Toronto Blue Jays at home, straight into the Boston Celtics fumbling away a crucial playoff game on the road to going down 3-2 with a home loss. The New York Rangers staved off elimination with a two-goal comeback in the second period, then another comeback, then the third-period game winner, and the Boston Red Sox got walked off by the Braves' 15th best offensive player, Orlando Arcia. So, folks, tensions running low, joy running high. Again, is this going to be forever, like the little kid after the dentist when his mouth is numb? No, for sure not, but this is the hottest. We are entering a podcast in a long time because, God damn, does it feel good to succeed so many times and see your enemies fail all in a row lined up like that. That's why... April, May, June, just glorious. So many opportunities for the people you hate to fail and to forget what you just saw. The Yankees turn the Blue Jays season around real quick, folks. Real quick. The Blue Jays went from never losing a series to losing three consecutive series, including two out of three to the Yankees in Toronto, two out of two this week. Vlad Guerrero Jr. celebrated the only win of that set, doing an absolute split at first base with the bases loaded and two outs to save Another potential Yankee victory could have gone five for five, went four for five. We're going to give everybody who needs credit credit. We're going to be talking about the ump show from hell, but actually in a good way that went in our direction in the first game of this set. The miracle that comes next, the Aaron Judge walk-off probably still happens without the ump show, but man, it was really fun to watch the Blue Jays melt down yet again. They're doing the Yankees thing where they celebrate too early, then something doesn't go their way. They can't handle it. So they did it in Toronto when they made a cavalcade of errors to lead to a big loss there. And they did it on Tuesday night when they just absolutely unraveled after drilling Josh Donaldson uh, in the elbow, in the back. It sort of, you know, bounced around a little bit, ping pong ball. Uh, But Donaldson was having words with the catcher. Probably unintentional. Might have been intentional. Not as crazy an ejection as Toronto wants you to believe. And then Bo Bichette did the whole Manny Ramirez thing, leading into a fastball that was basically right over the heart of the plate and acting like he got drilled in the ear hole. So, sorry, Toronto. Another meltdown city that led to two straight losses. Judge gets the huge moment. Aroldis Chapman almost throws the whole thing away. We go for a series split, but instead, we got two. So, Glaber Torres, Aaron Judge, and the starting pitching is the story once again. And Clay Holmes, tip your cap. And the Blue Jays, not where they want to be. 15 losses on the season so far. It could turn around. It hasn't yet. And the Yankees are seven games up in the loss column on Toronto. 
Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Drop us a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. Hey, find my tweet on Twitter. Retweet it. Follow the instructions. You could win a free Derek Jeter jersey, folks. We're going to be updating you on that throughout the next couple of weeks. Don't you want that? Don't you like jerseys? There's no name on the back. It's a real Derek Jeter jersey. It's not it Jeter 2 with a weird, you know, pet. There's no doodle on it. It's just what he wore on the baseball field, but like a better version, like more breathable fabric. So you're going to want it. Thomas Carinazzi, welcome to the podcast. Uh, the Yankees could have slipped up. They barely hit. Over the weekend against the Texas Rangers, they had a million games wiped off the schedule. They play in the Little League Park. You know, they almost got swept. You know, the, you could easily send both of those Rangers games in the opposite direction. You could send yep. the first game of this series in the opposite direction. The year old Chapman thing could go poorly. They come out of the rain delays and they go four and one, and they're 22 and eight on the season going into Luis Hill's spot start on Thursday night in Chicago. You know how much I care about how that goes? I mean, as soon as first pitch is thrown, I'm going to be caring tremendously, but. 22 and freaking eight. I mean, you cannot do better than that heading into a big four game set in Chi-Town. Nope. Back with the best record in MLB. We lost it for a second there, but got it back in our grasps. Um, last year, 2021 Yankees probably lose all the games that you just talked about. Um, you lose that one Oh game against the Rangers um, on, on Monday. Um, you definitely don't walk it off against the Blue Jays in the manner that you did on uh, Tuesday night. Um, and then yesterday, um, you just you saw the holes there for it to be a disappointing Yankees loss, but the resilience at this point has been wildly impressive. Um, we talked last episode um, about how Glaber Torres might be back. The stats are not there, but the clutch hitting is there. Um, a lot of guys are coming through in spots when they need to, whether it be Judge, whether it be Stanton, whether it be Rizzo, whether it be DJ, whether it be Glaber. Um, and there's a little bit more gumption, I think, on this side. Um, than there was last year, which is which is one of the bigger differences. And a couple of stats that are cool. Um, the Yankees, by the way, six and three against the Blue Jays this year. Nine games against Toronto already out of the way. Ten left. You, we don't see them again until August. Um, so you, you really, like, all in all, could not ask for a better start against a, apparently the, the division favorites. Apparently everyone told wow. me that Toronto Blue Jays were the division favorites. Um, yeah. No, they're really good. The rotation good. got worse. The rotation got worse. The offense got worse, and they didn't make the playoffs last year, but they're going to yeah. run train over the AL East. I mean, we'll <laughs> see. Haven't done it yeah, yet. I'm, I'm not going to come down on them because uh, I still think their rotation is good. They were supposed to have a better rotation than us, but Yankees, unfortunately, lead all of MLB with 22 pitching victories. Um, and they have the second-best ERA in all of baseball at 2.6. The only team ahead of them is the Los Angeles Dodgers with 2.25, um, with a 2.25 ERA, um, and the Yankees also have um, the fourth-most strikeouts, um, only behind the Braves, Mets, and Brewers. Brewers and Mets arguably have the two best pitching staffs in all of MLB, um, so you could see where, where the differences lie at this point. Um and it's been I've only been able to find one bad stat about the Yankees this year, um, and it's our lefty hitting against lefty pitching 170 average 658 OPS, just not good. Um, so I think that's one thing that we have to keep an eye on for for um, for, for things to turn around and, and kind of level this thing out where this team is hitting on all cylinders. Um, but there's absolutely no reason to complain at this point um, unless you want to complain about Aaron Hicks. But teammates picked him up well um, over these last couple games where he's had some defensive lapses, really bad at bats. Um, and um, I, I don't know why you bat him lead off yesterday. I, I really don't. I don't know what the thinking there is from Aaron Boone, but it is what it is. Uh, everybody else is kind of humming along. It's a very different attitude with this team. Judges post game uh, or series victory uh, uh, videos on Instagram and Twitter are the shit. It, it's so cool. Um, and Hal Steinbrenner, man, punching air, punching air right now because Aaron Judge is getting every dollar on in, in in a hypothetical world. He's earning every extra dollar that the Yankees would not give him this offseason uh, based on his play so far. First player in MLB to 10 home runs, most home runs in the league um, among the leaders in OPS um, and total bases. Um, can't really say enough about what he's done thus far. But overall, my my whole thing, especially with that ejection, which we'll talk about right now. Let's go right into that oh, ejection yeah. on a Tuesday oh, night. Yeah. Um, the whole attitude and vibe with this team is different. Um, and I'm really loving the energy that I'm seeing. And I think that that's going to be the, the ultimate difference with 
um, this year, 2020 and 2021. Because in 2019, we loved the vibes with that team. That team was running train. There was positivity up and down the roster. Everybody was excited to play. Everybody was excited to deliver in, in, in clutch moments. Then 2020 came, pandemic hit. It was like a big lull on everybody's just general um, appearance and, and, and demeanor. Um, and that la- that general appearance. Oh, no. yeah, yeah. general appearance, just not looking good. You looked at these guys and you're like, what's going on here? This year is totally different. This ejection, let's get into it. Um, came after the Stanton home run um, that tied the three run homer that tied the game. Yimi Garcia um, first pitch right after that goes up and in Josh Donaldson beams him with a fastball. Um, whether you agree with this or not, it was an ump show, not denying that in in mm-hmm. any capacity if i was a blue jays fan i probably would be upset but then again you kind of go back and you look at this i wouldn't have been opposed if they if they warned um the pitcher but if you're the umpires and you're sitting there and you're looking at the situation where tensions are high these are division rivals yankee stadium's erupting right now the players are the pl- the players are amped up like the first pitch after the home run cannot be a 95 mile an hour fastball at somebody's chest um, because then you're going to open. If you give them a warning, you're just going to open the door for the Yankees to continue the charade in the next inning. If they so want to do that, you know, teams are always going to look for the retaliation factor there. Um, and to just eject a release, he just gave up a home run, like ejecting him. Didn't it, like, did that really, did that really ruin everything for the blue Jays? I, I don't, I, I really, I really don't think it did. Um, no, it absolutely did. They they didn't. The Yankees didn't score again that inning. It, it was completely, uh, yeah. you know, a non-factor in the game. It was just hilarious. Uh, it, it's the kind of thing that I also I think it was an 0-1 count to Donaldson, which because that's a major part of his argument that like why would I hit him on 0-1? And it's like oh yeah, I don't know, bro. Why does anybody do anything? Like it, stuff happens. So I, I don't think it was intentional. But you, you eject Yimi Garcia after he's just ruined the game. I mean, it was. Three nothing Blue Jays, and then a second later, thanks to Yimi Garcia, it was three three. Yeah, Blue Jays fans, you guys want that guy to stay in the game longer? That was terrible. You want more of that? You want more of the guy who just got corked in the right field seats? Best of luck to you. Yeah, bring him back. But if that had happened to me, that whole thing where the umpires clearly had a vendetta against the Blue Jays from that point on, uh, it didn't manifest itself in any borderline calls. As far as I can tell, it just manifested itself in the next time the dugout started chirping, the umpire was overjoyed to get Charlie Montoyo out of the game, too. Like, oh, yeah, all right. You want to test me 20 minutes later? Great. I don't have time for this. You're gone. Uh, Quite clearly, the crew, you know, was tired of the Blue Jays shenanigans, and so was I. Um, Now, if this had happened to me, if if a Yankees pitcher had gotten ejected erroneously when it seemed like the dugout was just begging for a warning, not an ejection. Yeah, I, I certainly would have been, wouldn't have been excited about that. Uh, and I would have taken it to Twitter and I probably would have sent some aggravated messages, but I wouldn't have acted like it changed my life and ruined my season. It's not like when they forced the Yankees to play after two and a half hour rain delays. It's just kind of another thing you have to deal with. Your bullpen should have more than one guy who can get outs in the sixth inning. The Blue Jays did. They got out of the inning. They brought in Rogers, uh, you know, Trevor, uh, whatever that guy's name is. They who, who yesterday. Yeah, they brought in Phelps, and they eventually got through it, um, and that's what they do. They didn't lose the game until they brought in their closer, Jordan Romano, in the ninth inning. So the middle, meaty part of the Blue Jays' bullpen, which is supposedly a weakness, managed to pick up the pick up the slack for Yimi for sure. Now, on you know, was it an ump show? Yes. The Yankees dugout, after he gave up a game-time home run and then drilled Josh Donaldson, the most annoying Yankee by far. We love him, but most annoying man on the team. Gets drilled that that raises your eyebrows a little bit, especially yeah. the context of the of the home run and then immediately drilling him. And so the dugout is alive, animated, and they're just asking for a little help here. You want to maybe tell the guy to stop doing that? You want to maybe protect our guy a little bit? They're just asking questions. The umpires get together and convene, and you're like, "Thank you for listening to the boys from the Bronx who have a good point here." Then all of a sudden, end their little meeting and go. Yeah, he's out. He's gone. Now, that's weird. That was not what they should have done. They, they should no. not have just ejected Yimi. They should not have ejected the pitching coach in the wake. Pete Walker also gets chucked. Uh, you know, all of that is sort of a strange visual. And then the 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 whininess from Montoyo and the rest of the Jays uh, several innings later that gets him ejected is not that much different than what the Yankees dugout was doing, saying, hey, you want to warn this guy? Hey, hey, you want to warn this guy? Although the chirping in the dugout later originated from Bo Bichette, again, pulling off just an embarrassing move. Bo Bichette 
is embarrassing. Uh, his entire profile as a major league player is about being a hardo, being a tryhard, being an oversharer. And uh, Lawizaga went up and in on Bobuchet, but only in the technical sense of the term. He yeah. went six inches up and in from where the plate is. It on on a man with a different body type. It might have been called a strike. It, it was barely up and in, but Bichette dove out of the way like enemy artillery in the middle of Vietnam and started strutting around the plate, pointing at the dugout, being like, oh, mm, okay, guess this is what we're doing. Guess this is what we're doing. Bo Bichette should be a Boston Red Sox. Extremely Pedroia energy, like just strutting around being like, oh, I guess we're drilling people now, when in reality the Yankees were the only people to get hit. Bo Bichette, not even close. It was like Manny Ramirez on Clemens. It started the Don Zimmer brawl. The ball is barely up and in. Manny yeah. goes, Hoo-ah. And then points at the mound, like, yeah, you're trying to hit me. And Clemens is like, I'm not trying to hit, like, I don't know, your your left peck was a couple of inches away. I, I mean, that's not where your head is located, as far as I know. And Bichette was kind of the same situation. So the Jays' dugout reaction that got Montoyo ejected was a lot like what the Yankees were doing, but it was all initiated. It, the Blue Jays were just looking to get fired up. It seemed like it worked for a little bit. They took a 5-3 lead. Aaron Hicks jogged to a ball, uh, a double. He never thought Vlad Jr. would try to score from first. Vlad Jr. was like, bet, and scored from first. Uh, Sack fly makes it 5-3. A couple seconds later, Alejandro Kirk had a big series. Good for him. Uh, Seems, you know, not an insurmountable deficit, but it does seem like the Blue Jays have stolen that game right back after the Yankees grabbed hold. I said this uh, night of game. How often does it feel like Giancarlo Stanton, over the course of his Yankee career, has hit a multi-run, huge, game-tying home run? Only for the team to eventually lose that game. It happens constantly. It felt like it was going to happen again. Well, folks, Jordan Romano, folks. April reliever of the month Ooh. over Michael King. Pretty good. We talked about this a little bit. We we wrote a little tongue-in-cheek article on how the Yankees needed revenge against Jordan Romano for stealing the award for Michael King. Do we actually believe the Yankees need vengeance? No. We're not. I mean, that's, I want that's it, what Pete Abraham. That's what Pete Abraham, the Red Sox beat writer, would have written. He was writing about the the botched third strike call in Wednesday night's walk off in the sixth inning. He was writing about it after the game ended uh, because he was a Yankee beat writer. And then he was like, you know, being the whiniest baby in the world is actually in my blood, so I belong in the Red Sox locker room. So he picked up and left, and and now that's where he is. And he's still crying hours later. I'm sure he's blocked me, so I actually have no idea. But best of luck with your ongoing temper tantrum. I hope they, I hope the baby formula shortage gets sorted out for you so that you can suckle on a little milk, Pete Abraham. But, uh, you know, uh, a couple innings later, uh, Jordan Romano does walk to the mound. Ninth inning, bottom of the lineup, best reliever in the AL in, in April. Isaiah Connor Falefa and Jose Trevino are up, starting the inning. Got to get two runs, not just one. Thanks to Aaron Hicks. Could have just been a double sack fly, but Aaron Hicks jogged. Can't throw the ball. Uh, they were saying on the broadcast, he obviously used to throw, I think he threw 107 pre-Tommy John at his peak. He was throwing 83 point something on that throw. So bleak for everyone involved. Uh, and then, you know, IKF strikes out even worse. <laughs> it's not what you want. You need base runners. You don't need outs. Uh, elementary baseball, I don't need to tell you that. Jose Trevino, the backup catcher, steps up. Thomas Carinante. Everything flips. Everything flips. He works a walk. Romano not looking great there. Uh, works a walk there. DJ walked too, right? It was just a double walk. Oh, yeah. Situation. Double walk yeah. situation. Um, yeah, I have. I was looking at the play-by-play before because I was trying. I was in the shower because I, I surrendered to the loss, and I said on Twitter, I was like, you know what? The Yankees usually, it, the 2021 Yankees would have surrendered this game would have been five to one. That would have been the end of the story. And you would have went to bed mad. Um, and I'm not saying losses are good, but you definitely rather have a loss where, you know, where you're fighting back or the other team, like we kind of, like I've talked about, which I'm going to talk about at length all year, where you have the Red Sox and the Jays in the first, uh, in the first series with the Red Sox. And then the second series with the Jays, where both of those teams are looking to avoid the sweep in the final game. And they're doing everything they possibly can and the Yankees are just, you know, going through the motions, and the Blue Jays and the Red Sox are scratching and clawing to get a one-run victory to avoid the sweep. So, like, if I'm going to lose, that's that's a hell of a way to lose. You're steamrolling opponents, and then you're making them fight for the last victory to avoid, like, the utmost embarrassment. 
Um, so, yeah, Connor Falefa leads off the inning strikeout. Trevino walks. LeMahieu walks. Judge comes up. And I'm listening to the broadcast. I have it on while I'm showering. And you just – you had this feeling that that something interesting was going to happen. I don't know if it was going to be – I didn't know if it was going to be that electrifying, but you had this vibe where you're like, oh, man, two on, Aaron Judge up, like – I think this is like he can earn he can earn more money here, like on his next contract. He could certainly the way this team's been playing, the way kind of the energy's been, the way this game has been, high tensions. Judge was among those people flipping out in the dugout when Donaldson got hit. You saw the clip of him. He was like he was standing behind uh the main like rail where everybody's hanging over. Um, and Donaldson got hit, and he immediately jumped up and was like, fuck you. I don't know what he was saying, but everybody, everybody was yelling fuck. Everybody was yelling somebody at Garcia. The dugout, yeah. Somebody got yeah. or on the hot mic, yelled, Garcia, you fucking suck. Yeah. And it, it can't have been someone in the dugout. I just, like, I can't believe that a Yankee would, would yell that directly to a random middle reliever who thinks he's an eighth-inning guy, but I stand by that designation. Uh, yeah. People were doing the analysis saying it sounded like Garrett Cole like, no, I think Garrett Cole only reserves those words for Billy Crystal, but I, <laughs> I, I know I just doubt it. I, I, I have to believe that's a fan on a hot mic, but if you want to believe it's Cole, it does, it does feel good to believe that. Yeah. I would like to believe my guys are saying that I, I like the, I like the feeling there. That's the vibe that I want. I don't want this team laying down. I want them sticking it to every opponent. I want them backing each other and, and getting angry because that's what fuels these victories. Um, and I mean, this was one of the farthest home runs you've probably ever saw in person. Uh, he, Romano leaves what an eighty-four mile an hour hanging slider up in the zone. It was something that it was something that egregious. We were like, "What are you doing?" And it was it was for like for the average batter, it was like belt high, and it was a little bit higher for Judge, so it was like a normal belt high pitch for for the average batter. And Judge right on top of it destroys it into the left uh, left field upper deck. Um, and the celebration that ensues is just it's 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 mind boggling because you we haven't felt something of that magnitude concerning the Yankees in I mean what was the last time we probably felt that way the the 13 game win streak last year which was like you didn't have an exciting moment like that or maybe um the wild card game against the Indians um, when judge hit that home run in the first inning against Bieber. And then Gio, and then the next game was it the next game. Gio Rochelle hit the grand slam. Um, yeah. But no, nobody in that ballpark. I mean, no nobody human. in that ballpark. So like the in energy. The the, yeah. Yankee stadium was rocking. That's the energy that we've been looking for since 2019. The last time uh, there was, you know, a legitimate playoff game there and, and the, the house was packed and people were going nuts. Um, and that could the, the fact that that's happening that that happened this early in the year and the Yankees are twenty two and eight right now that's that goes a long way in terms of setting the tone because I'll reference last year I hate talking about last year but you look at last year five and ten start treading water through pretty much July no tone setting victories at all over those first few months there was nothing that like nothing that jogs your memory right now where you're like oh man yeah that great early season victory where it was like. The team came together. Everybody was pumped up. It, it got us ro- the momentum got us rolling for you know weeks to come. That didn't really happen. Now we have now they've won what fifteen of their last seventeen games. You have this already iconic twenty twenty two moment with your contract year player de facto captain hitting a home run of that of that length and and magnitude against one of the, the the supposed division favorite and one of the most hated division rivals. And that changes the complexion of everything. It, it it changes the complexion of the Blue Jays in general, where it's like, oh, like last year, the Blue Jays pulled this victory off and we kind of look like the chumps. Now we just punk them in the first nine games of the season. And then it changes the whole complexion around the Yankees, where it's like everyone laughed at the Yankees. You came up short in the playoffs in 2018 against your division rival. You beefed it again against the Astros in 2019. You beefed it against the Rays in 2020. You embarrassed yourself so badly in 2021 that you couldn't get one extra victory to have the AL wildcard game, a game you weren't even supposed to be in at home against your most hated division rival who punks you then. And now it's like, I'm not saying the narrative is fully turned because we know the Yankees can go dormant and then they could shell up and we can see this all happen again. But the fact that they've done this this early and have managed to 
do as much as they possibly can to flip that narrative where they're the weaker opponent and they don't have the mental edge and they don't have the fortitude in these later innings. That's where all the value is for me. And that's really all I want from the team. The fight here and and the resilience is, is what matters most. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick dry padding is Under Armour's fastest drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. Yeah, no one is allowed to say that they finished the job on May 11th. Correct. They didn't. They haven't buried. They haven't even buried the Red Sox yet, who are 11 and a half games back. And it's very funny, but no, they have not it's buried funny. the Red Sox. There are 100 wild cards now. They're five and a half out of a wild card spot. And they will never get worse than this. That is my solemn vow to you. They're very funny and very bad. And I do not think that they're, you know, an elite unit of destroyers in 2022. But they're not this bad, and they're not finishing the season uh, 35 games under 500. So no one's dead and buried. The AL East is not decided. Uh, The Blue Jays could easily storm back. The Rays were licking at the Yankees' heels until they went out to Anaheim, which is a place that we have also historically not won baseball games. There are no guarantees about what lies in the future for this Yankee team, but what we do know is they don't go to sleep, and they dictate the narrative. Everybody except for Aroldis Chapman who has thrown 51% of his pitches in the strike zone, uh, everyone else on the roster looks at the opponent and nods and says, all right, thanks for hitting me with that. I'm going to punch back now. And it started on opening day when the Red Sox ambushed Garrett Cole in the first inning. And Anthony Rizzo, it took a couple of batters before he hit home run to get him right back in the game. There will be hitters who slump. Aaron Hicks has been terrible for weeks now. Joey Gallo basically has not shown up to the 2022 season, save for a couple games against the Orioles. Josh Donaldson has not been what they thought he would be. Anthony Rizzo himself just went through a two for 30 stretch before the double that won the Rangers game. People struggle. There will be holes in the lineup. There will be injuries. There will be bullpen pieces that don't make sense. There will be deadline additions. But through all of that, which there's already been, the New York Yankees are 22 and eight. And that includes a 6-3 and three record against the Blue Jays. Again, the top team in the East. Barely played the Red Sox, but went 2-1. and one. Haven't played the Rays yet. Interested to do that. Unfortunately, have to do it at the end of this 85 games and 23-day stretch. Not ideal, but you know it is ideal? Like we said on the podcast earlier this week. Pretty tough circumstances. Got to bank the wins early in the circumstances. So that when you yep. have a, a tough spot, you look back and go, Oh my God, we banked so many wins already. I don't need to stress about, you know, there there might be a losing streak at some point. I hate to break it to you all. And when there is, you'll be able to look back at this and go, wow. In the early part of the schedule, they started hot and went 22-8. and 22-8. and eight. You yeah. can't win a pennant on May 12th. You can lose one by failing to take care of business before you've got your wheels and your legs under you, which is what the Yankees have done basically every season of their recent history. They've been 500-ish at this point. And they've had to fight out of a hole that they created. And those holes have not been massive. And those holes have not been untenable. And one five-game winning streak has flipped everything for those teams over and over again. But they've been 16 and 15. They've been 23 and 21. They've been a lot of unpalatable records that have, you know, allowed the rest of the league to write them off, allowed the rest of the league to get the mental edge, forced the Yankees to have to come back, uh, over the long course of 162 game season, it's been so long since they have raced out of the gate, and this season started seven and six. Yeah, so they're ready. Been... They're ready to do it again. It looked like you know been there, very were of, there were a lot of things to like during that seven and six start. The pitching was incredible, uh, but they were in that Tiger series, winning some of the worst games you'll ever see. Leaving the bases loaded, leaving second and third no outs, turning prosperity into failure, and doing all the things that you don't want to see out of this roster. And then all of a sudden, on a dime, they spent two weeks laying waste to the schedule players in front of them. And before the offense went a little cold after giving them, you know, 35 days off, they looked they looked exactly like what you'd want. And it's all reflected in the run differential. There isn't a single AL East team with a positive run differential. And the Yankees have the second highest run differential in baseball. 
after yesterday was 50 entering yesterday. And then what they won five three, so it's 52. 52. Yeah. So it's 52 Dodgers and the, the Dodgers. 70. Dodgers of the most in seven. Sorry. Yeah. And, and the Yankees are the second best team in baseball in that regard. That means you're pitching and that means you're hitting. And maybe that means you're pitching so spectacularly well that you're not hitting that much, but you're still outclassing the other team by building up that margin. But and what it also means is when you're given the chance to destroy someone, you do it, which is what the Yankees have not done in recent years and weren't doing the first couple of weeks of the season either. No. How many how many games against bad teams have they won four two over the last couple of years? You have to rest your bullpen, even if you have a spectacular bullpen. You have to put the other team to sleep sometimes, like the Yankees did in the late innings against the Royals a couple of weeks ago. It's a close game. Then suddenly it's not. And then it's 12-2, and we're calling it for rain because we don't hmm. want to play eighth and ninth inning anymore. That's what you have to do against the mediocre teams in baseball. Every so often, not every day, not even every series, but you have to have a game where you can rest the pen and rest your regulars, and you want it to be a win if you can. Because you can do that in a loss too, but the win is the preference. Now, the one reliever you don't want to rest is Aroldis Chapman, who – you know, placed prominently in Wednesday's game, which was almost the first, uh, you know, well, almost the second, actually, trademark Chapman game of the season where you just have to take a pretty easy win off the board. We're not talking about the one-run games. A one-run game is never a win. No. You want to save a 5-4 game, but if you're entering mm-hmm. the ninth inning of a 5-4 game being like, we locked it down, hell yeah. Today was a perfect day for the Yankees. Then you're just a different fan than I. We're talking about the three-run leads – uh, you know, or the two run leads against the bottom of the lineup, or perhaps even the four run leads against after rain delays against the Angels. We're talking about the games that are just the game is over until the world is Chapman steps on the mound, and you remember he's a part of this. The three nothing lead against the Jays earlier in the season, where he walked the bases loaded and Michael King came up and cleaned up his mess, notable. This one on on Wednesday was five two. Glaber Torres was the entire offense. Hit the three run home run to put him up three one. Ripped a single to put him up 5-2 later in the game. Glaber, by the way, the hard hit stuff this year has always been way ahead of his past performance, and it's looked even better than 2019, which is the gold standard Glaber year where he hit 38 bombs. We've been through that. But the OPS Plus, relative to the league performance, actually wasn't that strong. Up until yesterday, it, you know, he was a 93 and 100 is average. So he's, he's below average performance overall relative to the rest of the league. A couple of clutch hits, you know, make it look a little different, make the profile look more palatable. But that's what we were dealing with going into yesterday. After yesterday's showcase, the OPS is up to 702, and the OPS Plus is up to 107. So good for Glaber. Uh, we're starting to see that turn, and it's obviously that's a, another helpful reminder. It's still extremely early in the year. But Glaber carried them to a win yesterday, at least until Aroldis Chapman showed up. Eighth. Hitter in the lineup, ninth hitter in the lineup coming up. Eighth hitter was Santiago Espinal, doubled off him. Ninth hitter, a guy I've never heard of, like a defensive replacement who didn't play the Mini whole game. Vinny Capra, he should be in the Bronx. Vinny Capra, he walked him on five pitches. Why even bother? Why Mine. even bother when you're walking Vinny Capra on five pitches? Up comes George Springer with runners on the – and one of them went to the backstop, so it's an Espinal the third. 96 mile hour straight to the backstop. Aroldis Chapman famously throws 100. He, he enters these games throwing 95. Uh, if you – you know, if, if that's – Something you're confident, comfortable in. Congrats to you. But he he he's looked worse than ever this year, other than last June when he truly looked unconscionable. But this year he's he's looked a lot like the worst sloppy version of Chapman more often than not. There have been long breaks, extended breaks between his use, which you cannot do. We all know that. We all know you can't bring him into blowouts, and we all know you can't bring him into bad weather conditions, and we all know you can't bring him into games after he hasn't pitched in eight days, which. Not by design last week. Every game got rained out. I get it. But he comes in yesterday with the eight, nine guys ahead of him before Springer, Bichette, and Guerrero Jr. and just doesn't even come close. Walloped by Espinal, walks uh, Vinny Capra. So guys are on the corners for Springer. And then he locks it. Fly out to right sack fly. Well-located fastballs. Bichette blows him away with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Vlad Jr., 99 in on the hands, pops it up to Glaber. One, two, three, five, three win. Uh, that could have gone one of two ways. This was not the way I anticipated it going at all. But that upped Chapman's ERA to 0.79 on the season. That was his first earned run allowed this year. And I posit to you that this has to be the worst pitching performance of anyone to be carrying any numbers like this a month into the Major League Baseball season. And if the eye test isn't trustworthy for you, 
All you need is his MLB percentile rankings, uh, which all got a little bit of a boost yesterday on StatCast because he did start whipping 100 mile an hour for us while Bo Bichette and because it is early in the season and things fluctuate like crazy. We all understand that. But his expected ERA is in the 38th percentile. His expected weighted on base against is in the 38th percentile. Walk percentage, he's in the 4th percentile. Chase rate, 37th so he's not throwing strikes he's walking everyone no one is chasing his pitches and like we said earlier about half the pitches he throws end up in the zone in some capacity so the dam will break for Chapman at some point I guess I don't have a point here other than to say it's very funny that he was able to survive this game and barely nick his overall ERA on the season but the reckoning is coming for Chapman and Thomas yet another reason why you want to pile up the 22 and 8 record while you still can because Chapman time's coming. It's it is. It's it's going to normalize folks and I think that this kind of speaks to not a greater problem because we don't have a problem. But the back end of the bullpen is going to need a little something because Chapman's 0.79 ERA, friggin' great, 3.12 FIP. That's and 1.15 whip. So that's more speaking to what he's able to do. And only 12 strikeouts in 11 in 11 and third innings. So it's not like it's not like he, you know, he's got 18 strikeouts and it's like, oh, he's blowing the doors off these people. It's like he's pitching okay, not great. He's getting a little bit lucky and he's also figuring out where to pick his spots. Like the 100 mile an hour fastball to Bobachet was badass. Like that was awesome. And he was not afraid to throw that and he put it right over the heart of the plate and he was like, you're not going to hit this dude. And he didn't. So, like, that's the part of it that I can respect. But if that inning starts, Springer Bichette. Guerrero instead of Espinal and Vinny Capra, I think it's a different story. And then you look at the other, you look at the other um, parts of the Yankees bullpen. Jonathan Luizaga has almost a five ERA and he's already, he's pitched 12 and two thirds innings. So this is like, it's a, it's a small, smaller sample size. But at this point you're like, okay, what's going on? This was the supposed guy who's be the, the closer of the future. We need him at least in the eighth inning. I don't know. He's not being deployed as such, but it's concerning. And then you have Chad Green, who at this point, if you trust Chad Green, I don't know what to tell you. I, I have no nothing else to tell you. It, it, that just got some, that, got some Twitter mentions. Got some Twitter mentions yeah. earlier in the week when I was like, Chad Green's coming yeah. in, the game's over, and they were like, just be fair to be fair to Chad. He blew yeah. the game. I mean, he, oh he immediately blew the game. So what do you want from me? <laughs> and we don't want it. But you you watch Chad Green. You've watched him the last two years. And hey, it's not entirely his fault. He's been overused. Um, I don't know if he's been utilized properly in 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 the spots that are most advantageous for his uh, his arsenal. Um, and look, I don't know what it is, but the performance is is not there. And you're talking about those are your three guys in the back end. I know Clay Holmes could also be considered as that, but he's more Clay Holmes is more of like the the 2016 Andrew Miller esque type. Uh, deploying that Aaron Boone is using him for. So you can't really pencil in Clay Holmes for the eighth inning every time because he also comes in in the seventh when there's danger or the sixth if they need if they need a ground ball double play. So we're looking at a potential issue here at the back end of the bullpen. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know who you trade for. I don't know who you call up. I don't know who you get rid of. Um, I, I don't know what this scenario is going to look like, but that's that to me this production right now is foreshadowing something and you're totally right racking up the wins now is going to push off this problem a little bit longer it doesn't really have many fans thinking about it because why are you thinking about bullpen problems when you're 22 and 8 you're not you're thinking about i'm 22 and 8 fuck you i'm having a great time i'm enjoying my life um i'm saying yeah so you're yeah you're totally right there and i I wanted to before we got into chapman i did want to talk about the win streak because we talked about the offense which is coming in in the clutch we talked about the pitching staff which the starters are lights out and the relievers are getting the job done, even if it doesn't look like the prettiest. But the defense, number one in MLB in fielding percentage, um, which is what nothing we expected after after what we witnessed last year. Um, and uh, just the general the general attitude, what we talked about before. It's a different it's a different vibe. Um, there is there's more fundamental baseball being played here. Um, and also uh, to go off of the defense, the um, outs above average and and the str- and the runs prevented uh, behind the plate with Jose Trevino and Kyle Higashioka, both with pitch framing and just general defense overall. Um, and that's something that someone was tweeting 
people were tweeting the other day about how Higgy was playing so poorly that it's like, oh, I can't imagine if somebody else was the Yankees catcher and was performing this poorly and how it would go. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. That there, 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 there is not an outcry uh, regarding Kyle Higashioka's awful offensive output, and you want to know why? Is because there's no expectation for his offensive output, and he's saving runs on defense. So when you don't have high expectations as an offensive player, um, and you're technically not falling short of those expectations because those expectations don't exist, and you're helping cultivate the best starting rotation in MLB. Yeah, no one's really going to be enraged with you if you're not getting the job done on offense because this lineup also has seven other capable above-average hitters who are driving in all the runs. So once again, it's Yankee fan brain disease where they think, oh, we need to have the best position at every player. Or, oh, no, we need we need 115 WRC-plus hitters at, at every spot in the lineup. Absolutely not. You need six guys who are hitting above average. You need two guys who profile as contact hitters. And then you need... Uh, you need two other guys playing tremendous defense, whether it's shortstop and catcher or catcher and center field, literally whatever you prefer or wherever the, the biggest deficiencies are that are costing your team teams runs. And we've seen the difference. The difference is right now. There is no Gary Sanchez here, who is the aforementioned player that we're talking about, who would be getting booed out of the stadium right now. Um, yeah, if, he was, if he had a 500 OPS and was not playing good defense, because Gary Sanchez's defense I wouldn't say regress, but it definitely didn't get better over his tenure and his offense got worse. So yeah, you're looking at a situation where the value is not increasing whatsoever um, and nothing's generally changing for the better. Um, so the criticism there is, is warranted based on what people were expecting. And, and, and Hey, look, we've talked a million times about how it wasn't really Gary's fault. Gary started his career really well and set the expectations sky high and then was never really able to meet them again. Um so it was tough for him and it's tough being in New York and that's it's it's difficult all around playing in in under that kind of microscope but that was the reality of the situation and it didn't work out. So now you have two heavily defensive minded catchers. Aaron Boone talked about Jose Trevino's dedication to game planning. I never heard any any compliments about Gary Sanchez's dedication to game planning for for defense and that's not a slight at him i just never heard that before for it's it's a mini slight it's a, it's a small slight at him yeah yeah I, yeah okay I, I i've been following the yankees for a very long time i've been rooting i've been a diehard yankees fan throughout gary sanchez's entire career as as a yankees player i've never heard anything like that and now we're talking about higashioka's um we ta- we heard about higashioka's uh, relationship with the pitching staff last year and how it made all the difference um, and now we're hearing about Jose Trevino's immediate impact coming over in a trade right before the season, completely new setting, new nobody, and is making an, and is making an impact in every which way you can possibly imagine. So um, we can't forget about the defense there. We can't forget about subtracting the offense from um, the catter spot and adding elite defense, both just defense in general and pitch framing and establishing a rapport with both the starters and the relievers, which has made this pitching staff the second best in baseball. The formula includes all of this. The formula includes sacrificing offense for defense behind the plate. It includes the rotation. It includes the bullpen outfield, infield defense, outfield defense hasn't even been that great, but the fielding percentage incredible across the board. The offense good enough. You watch cross baseball, ain't nobody hitting. So good enough is definitely good enough so far to be an elite team. And it all adds up to the New York Yankees and their 22 and eight starts among the best starts in franchise history. The times they've won at least 22 out of their first 30 games, you ask? 2003, 98, 58, 50, 39, 32, 28, 23. In every one of those other seasons, the Yankees have made the World Series winning the American League. In all of those seasons, except 403, when the Marlins ran them down, they've won the World Series. Can't be won in May. It can't be won in May, but it can be lost. The Yankees have certainly done a great job of avoiding that. They have not lost the World Series in May. Congratulations to the New York Yankees. Based on past history, they've won the American League. They haven't. They haven't done that. They have not done that. Relax. They haven't done that. But they've never put themselves in a better position to do that than they have in 2022 since 2003 and that's important yeah that is it one more thing though actually that's not it before we said 
<laughs> before we send you off, folks, we are saying you you cannot win. You're not going to win a pennant in the first two months. You're not even going to win in the first three months. Um, but you can see what the difference. The four? No, no, really not. We've mm-hmm. seen how many September meltdowns have we seen as just general baseball fans? There's too many to count, and it's scarring to even think about. But you look at the Red Sox situation, and admittedly, a very tough start to their year. Yankees, Blue Jays, Tigers, Twins, Orioles, Angels, and Braves. The Red Sox have not won a single series this season. They've split two, one with the Twins and then one with the Blue Jays, I believe. I think that's true. And, oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it was Twins and Braves. They just had a two-game set with the Braves, and they split that. Yeah. That was it. So they didn't win the series against the the, – Oh, no, they split with the Tigers, too. So they they didn't win a series. Or no, is that the only series they won? Hang on. I'm fucking up here. Either way, they – I'm looking it up right now, guys. I got the schedule right in front of me. Why don't um, you let me end the podcast? Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, they uh, – they so they won one series. They, they beat the Tigers, and that was it. Um, and every other series, they either uh, split or they lost. So that is – that start to the year is a hole that you cannot dig out of. Um and it just goes to show now they have 11 games. I mean, we saw the Yankees make up ground on, what, 10 games last year? So it's it's totally not impossible. Um, no. But to not get a series win over um, – to not get a series win over the O's is tough stuff early in the year. Um, to melt down the manner in which they did um, against the Angels, that was pretty embarrassing. I know the Angels are really good, but – they had they had a couple of those games well within reach and they they just completely laid down. Um, so that that that's that's an early that's an early indicator of what might be to come for them. And also just to compare it in general to what the Yankees are doing, it's that much more impressive. And the vibes around that team are Bad. possibly terrible. <laughs> They're just brutal. Um, the the way they've lost some of these games, you're hearing 2021 Yankees vibes like. It, when it, when that record normalizes a little bit and they're no longer 10 games under 500, they're going to tell you, the people are going to say, you guys are okay. And they're, the fans of that team are going to tell you, no, 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 no. You have no idea the trouble <laughs> I see. And that's what we were feeling last year. And that's what Red Sox fans across the board are feeling this year. And they're right. The vibes are terrible. Although we'll see how that sorts itself out. Can I do it? You can do it. Can I do it? All right. That is it for this Thursday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Along with the mailbag question, we will be more than happy to answer it. And I think I got away with using this conference room for the entire podcast, which is pretty That's sick. Awesome. I'm gonna be, nobody's outside mad at me. I'm looking at the frosted glass, seeing nothing. Although, obviously, I could exit to a chorus of booze, <laughs> which is just what I call my <laughs> Thursday night. Uh, you can find us both on Twitter. You can find the brand account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Again, remember to find me at Adam Weinrib on Twitter. That's where you can find the tweet you need to retweet and follow some instructions regarding in order to get your free Derek Jeter jersey, or at least to get a shot at it. That's in the rules. The rules say not everybody. You don't all get one, but one of you will get one as long as you read the tweet and follow the rules. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? At Tommy's underscore takes. Folks, follow the rules. Without rules, there's chaos. Without chaos, it's, I mean, with chaos, it's pretty crazy, and you're not going to want to, you're not going to enjoy that. Um, big shout out here. Oh, first of all, head on over to yanksgoyard.com. Plenty of content there. We're ripping it out. Uh, we had a, Adam did some great coverage during the, uh, the night of judges walk off. You're going to want to be there for the live moments. It's a great time. Uh, and shout out to premier suck bags, Kevin Ploiecki and Alex Cora, both ejected from last night's game on admittedly one of the worst strike three calls I've ever seen on that full count with the bases loaded in the tie game. I think it was the sixth or the seventh inning. Um, they both argue they get tossed Red Sox lose down to 11 and 20 on the season. Um, I'm going to bask in this glory for as long as I can. Um, and you know what, guys? Four-game set coming up against the White Sox. We had this vibe going in last week to the Blue Jays series. Hey, split, whatever. Maybe even lose it. Still have a great record. So rolling into it with house money. Um, Luis Heal on the mound tonight. I'm still feeling good. I, I like the way I, I like the direction of this team. So uh, at, at the moment, enjoy the weekend. Have some fun. Yankees at Sox going to be a great time the, the good socks the less terrifying socks yeah. the socks that you're not going to sweat through your jeans watching in the late innings and heels last minor league start it's actually pretty good so he's on his best start of the year uh let's see how it pans out house money for sure
sure. But uh, when the clock strikes 8 o'clock tonight, you're going to want to win the baseball game. We will see you on Monday. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.